Good morning and welcome to the Global Energy Outlook Forum 2024. Another year has ended and of course another year has just begun and we saw a fairly substantial volatility in the oil markets last year, unpredictability across the commodity sector and globally so many surprises, geopolitical upheavals and yet the warning for recession that everybody was expecting literally from day one in 2023 never came. The global economies, particularly in the US and even China, despite not delivering as expected, had a solid economic performance of close to 5%. The US doing, you know, even in the third quarter, close to 5% growth. So despite all of the challenges of the world economy, we had a fairly substantial year. We saw record oil demand, up at 102, 103 million barrels a day, 102, 103 million barrels a day. And we saw the US reach a record oil supply production, leaving OPEC plus to struggle in some ways to keep the market balanced by cutting more and more as the year went on. The oil price averaged through 2023 closer to $80, down about $20 from 2022, where of course, the average oil price on Brent was closer to 100. One of the more surprising and somewhat controversial statements in 2023 was when the IEA came out and declared that they saw global oil demand uh, peaking by 2030. OPEC plus robustly rejected that with their own research indicating that peak oil demand would not come until much later in this century. Uh, but our first interview this morning is with uh, S&P Global, and we thought it was quite important to get uh, their analysis on this question of peak oil demand, because indeed they shared uh, their base case view with uh, IEA, the International Energy Agency. So it gives me great pleasure to invite Paul McConnell, Executive Director, Climate and Sustainability, at S&P Global Commodity Insights to turn on his camera and join us for the kickoff interview of the 2024 Global Energy Outlook Forum. Paul. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to have you. And we'll dig right into it, the sort of a headline question. Uh, we, we had global demand of crude oil at 103 barrels a day last year, give or take. Uh, uh, and... S&P Global Commodity Insights joined uh, the International Energy Agency in forecasting that peak oil demand will be reached by 2030. While that isn't this year, and this is a year ahead energy outlook, it's so close, it feels like this year. So we wanted to start by asking you how you came to that base case. Uh, well, thank you. So the first point I, I just want to make clear is that it's absolutely independent forecast. Um, we do have a, a, a sort of similar outlook in terms of where that that peak in oil demand comes, similar to the IEA, but it is a totally independent view. I would probably say that a, a peak is maybe um, exaggerating the 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 the, the change in, in demand. Actually, what we're seeing is more of a slowing of demand growth, eventually coming to something of a plateau. Yes. The, the the top line demand number won't be you know won't go over 2030 levels uh, as we look into the years ahead but actually that decline in demand uh, is going to be relatively relatively shallow so perhaps more of a plateau than a peak but nonetheless we do see 
growth in oil demand coming to something of a head by by the end of this decade. Absolutely. Which would indicate, I mean, how do we get there? What does the next few years look like? Uh, everybody, sort of, obviously, China has been a big engine of incremental demand growth over the last 20 or 30 years. Does your base case include a peak in China? Yeah, so I think the China question is is absolutely critical here. So um, in your introduction, you alluded to the China economic growth story, and certainly that that engine of growth is not going to disappear, but it's not going to be the you know the 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 rapid increase in 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 economic and energy demand growth that we were you know seeing over the last couple of decades. So we've got a China which is sort of slowing overall. We've also got a China which is in terms of its industrial makeup uh, moving um, from industry towards services. Um, we think that uh, fossil consumption, not just oil, in fact, but, um, we, you know, look at the sum total of, of, of fossil consumption in China is going to be squeezed by a number of factors, um, which are to do with the, the maturation of, of China's economy. So when we're thinking about oil specifically, um, I think the transportation story is absolutely critical. Uh, anyone who's been to China recently will be well aware that there are a vast number of electric vehicles on the road already. And we do see continued growth in sales of EVs, which will be squeezing uh, oil demand in, in the transportation sector. So this is, of course, just one, one country. But as we see uh, a China maturing, starting to look a lot more in energy demand terms like an OECD country, then of course we've got oil demand, which has already largely peaked in, in Europe and in, in, in the US. Um, and it really means that that engine of growth falls on other emerging economies. And we do, of course, see uh, expansion in India, other emerging markets, but China is just so vast that any slowdown there will have outsized effects on, on the sum total of global demand. Well, what you just mentioned there, India, uh, Africa, let's dig into that. I mean, we do see India now, in a way, picking up the, the baton on China in terms of the, the big growth numbers, high single digits, 7 8% uh, already at 5 million barrels of oil in demand uh, uh, every day. Uh, the outlook for that surely must be a growth story, uh, not enough to compensate for the China slowdown? We absolutely believe that India is a is a growth story for energy demand, fossil demand for oil, really everything across the board. We see expansion uh, in in demand for pretty much all types of energy in India and also uh, clean tech as well. It's very much a growth story and will continue to be so for you know until 2050 at, at the very least. Africa too, certainly a growth story, but in both cases, yes. India is getting quite significant in terms of its kind of its volume. Africa is growing very fast from a quite a small base. So again, you're overlaying this growth from a relatively small base against uh, an economy, China's, which is enormous, massive amounts of demand. And even here, where we see a couple of percentage points slowing down, that's going to you know that's that's why we see this sort of balance occurring. And in fact, it's basically those. That that kind of push pull effect that is 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 giving us this uh, overall demand picture slowing through the 2020s and coming to this plateau that I mentioned around about 2030. OPEC plus, as I mentioned in my introduction, sort of pushed back against the IEA uh, uh, forecasting earlier or in 2023, and they were making the argument 
that a lot of the the growth they're seeing the I, I think it was a 2050 number or 2040 number, uh, uh, you know, up around 116 million barrels a day, uh, which is you know substantially higher from where we're at. But they're seeing a lot of growth in petrochemicals that mm-hmm. oil, crude oil, will move maybe away from uh, transport, but will still be in ever increasing demand in the area of petrochemicals. Your thoughts and outlook of that argument. Well, I think the the argument that petrochemicals uh, are going to continue to be a source of demand, I think, is 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 robust, right? I mean, it's very difficult to see how we could be moving away from you know some of those uh, you know, the, the the materials that we all use that we're all you know familiar with, plastics, everything that my um, jacket, I'd half of it's petroleum, I would imagine. <laughs> Quite, but again, you're 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 really talking about um growth from a you know petrochemicals is is a, a much smaller mar- part of the overall oil market than transportation so what the growth that from our point of view i'd say that the growth that we see in petrochemicals cannot really offset the demand destruction that we see from an evolving rapidly evolving transportation market again back to this point around evs in china we're certainly seeing a lot more evs on the road in europe even in north america um, we think that European policy to phase out electric, sorry, phase out internal combustion engines um, by mid-century. We don't think that's going to be met. We think that policy is too ambitious to 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 be realised. But nevertheless, we are going to see uh, significant erosion of demand in the transportation sector. And our thesis would be that, at least as part of our base case, that that growth in petrochemicals cannot offset the decline. From transportation markets. What what about the harder to abate transportation sectors such as trucking? Still struggles to see EV electric vehicle as a solution mm-hmm. for heavy trucking, uh, shipping, aviation. Yes. How do, how does that balance out to the sort of obviously the 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 motor car, if you like, the mm-hmm. uh, uh, sector versus the 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 heavier in uh, trade uh, industrial sector? Yeah. So. That, those are great points. And in fact, we have a number of different views of the future, uh, as well as our base case, we have a number of other scenarios. Our faster transition uh, view of the future is called green rules. And in this outlook for Europe, specifically, we were trying to see if we could push Europe to get to net zero, which is, of course, the, the European policy goal. Um, we didn't think that that was plausible, even within the, the framework of this faster transition scenario. And one of the reasons that um, Europe is unable to get all the way uh, under this greener outlook is because of um, diesel in in long-haul trucking, right? So these are going to be very difficult to display sectors. Yes, we will see some uh, changes around the margins. We do expect to see significant growth in sustainable aviation fuel, for example, some movement in in bunker fuels, but these we believe will be dominated through the long term by um, oil-based products. Just looking at that point and coming out of COP28, we had for the first time the mention of fossil fuels in, in the uh, protocol or coming mm-hmm. out of the, the UAE consensus, they called it. Uh, your thoughts on COP28 and the, the sort of greater and greater compliance with, with the sort of lower carbon net zero targets, what role that plays in your base case that 2030 will be peak oil plateau oil demand? So COP28, I think, was quite an interesting outcome. So we saw, as you point out, the language around fossil fuels for the first time in any 
um, COP, uh, official COP text language referring to fossil fuels and explicitly tying consumption of fossil fuels to anthropogenic global warming. Um, but what we did not see coming out of COP28 were additional targets in terms of emissions mitigation. Now, those aren't going to be um, uh, due, the, 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 you know, parties are kind of uh, encouraged to bring new targets to the table, but that won't happen until Brazil, uh, COP31, uh, I believe, in Brazil in 2025. So we've got a bit of a, um, a sort of a mixed messages, if you like, between the acknowledgement of fossil fuels as being the, 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 the primary issue, but no new targets to, to reduce consumption, more sort of encouragement. And on the flip side, we've got, um, you know, uh, targets to, to triple uh, renewable energy. So um, a bit of a mixed bag in terms of outcomes for COP28. But I think back to my point around China, back to the point around, um, uh, you know, the, the way OECD markets are behaving, a lot of the, 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 the trends that we're seeing in oil consumption don't necessarily align with climate but they are aligned with, you know, industrial transformation, movement uh, of, of, of uh, transportation um, fleets towards electric vehicles, just the maturation of large economies. And I think that's probably a more uh, cogent driver of demand trends than than the climate issue right now. Would it be fair to say, I mean, you say the, the, the COP28 UAE consensus was historic as declared on the front page of the Financial Times because fossil fuels was included in just the words were inside the, the final communique, but ultimately no commitments were made anywhere. And so the tangible impact on that, uh, from, i.e. To, to get to uh, plateau oil demand by 2030, will was not really advanced by this uh, communique. Or your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think it is historic in terms of the the language, but um, the the targets were we weren't expecting a lot of new targets uh, to come to the table for this for this round of negotiations. Um, we remain, you know, obviously we'll look towards uh, the the Brazil round in in twenty twenty five to see uh, how that comes. But I think it does set the scene for we've had targets in the past, lots of targets. Um, but maybe some trouble meeting those targets or trouble getting everybody on board in terms of emissions reduction. Now we've got language around fossil fuels. Um, can we bring sort of the two sides together through that path of finance? Can the finance issues be solved uh, at the um, at COP, uh, COP30 in, in Baku at the end of this year? I think, um, you know, we would have perhaps, you know, from a climate point of view, some more ambitious targets would have been welcome. But um, I think that the stage could be set for some real progress here. And I think, you know, the the, the COP28 round is, is going to, um, it will have certainly been uh, helpful in that regard. Just to, to, to close out our, our, our discussion this morning with the, the specifics of the journey uh, uh, to plateau oil, peak oil demand 2030, uh, we saw in, in, in last year uh, global oil demand reaching a record at about 103 million barrels a day. Uh, S&P Global Commodity Insights in their report in December put the peak oil demand at 112 million barrels a day by 2030, which is still a growth of 9 million barrels more demand where we are right now. 
How much of that, let's say, focus on this year, 2024, this is a year ahead outlook, any specifics about 2024 and this incremental oil demand that gets us to that plus 9 million barrels over the next six years? Yeah, I think that a lot of that will depend on exactly how we see, um, you know, the, the economies of the world playing out uh, through the course of this year. Perhaps China's been a little bit slower than rebound than we expected. I mean, our post-COVID rebound was probably a bit stronger than we had expected. So I expect to see some, um, you know, slowing growth in terms of the, the last couple of years and more, um, but certainly more of that demand will be added um, in the in the first half of this decade if you like because as we get to that plateau point in 2030 you know our incremental demand growth will be slowing right down so i'd say most of that growth will come sort of before 2027 and after that we're really starting to get into that plateau period as we hit our peak does it does that does that come where your 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 research is indicated does that come with an elevated oil price i mean the more we talk about peak oil demand plateau oil demand the less likely the major oil companies are going to invest in new capacity and so the existing capacity uh, could be limited to meet that demand where does price intersect with plateau oil demand um, well, it's a great question, and I think uh, it remains to be seen exactly how the market will behave in a in an environment where uh, growth cannot be guaranteed in the future. I think certainly we will see um, production, um, you know, certainly uh, lower cost producers will be more favoured as um, investment, uh, you know, is potentially scaled back. We could see more price volatility around um, around those, you know, yearly averages. Uh, if we think of what's happened in the coal market over the last sort of decade, decade and a half, certainly that trend uh, was very visible as producers sort of scaled back investment demand, you know, has seasonal rebounds and that creates volatility in prices. So perhaps, um, you know, more story of, of, of volatile prices if and when we get to see that that peak coming around 2030. And just finally, does S&P Global Commodity Insights have a forecast for the oil price through 2024? What's your outlook? We saw a sort of $80 average last year on Brent. S&P's uh, call this we year. We have one, um, but I don't have it to hand right now, I'm afraid. Okay. Well, we'll get it and report <laughs> we'll it, it. Uh, right. uh, 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 in due course. Uh, thank you so much, Paul McConnell, Executive Director, Climate and Sustainability at S&P Global Commodity Insights. Thank you for leading off this year's Global Energy Outlook Forum 2024.